The Wagon's Role at the Gala Foundation. Hi, this is Noel Serrano. One of my favorite all-time shows was Wagon Train in the 1960s. The story of how the pioneers began long and difficult journeys to reach the brilliant sunlit mountains and beaches of California. The westward-bound Conestoga wagons of the 19th century are an emblem of the Gala Foundation. It was not an easy task, and sometimes television romanticizes the journey, doesn't always reveal how hard and difficult it was to cross the terrain and deal with ever-present dangers of crossing an untamed wilderness. If you have made the drive across Kansas, you know how barren and desolate it is. If you have walked or ridden a horse on the prairies of Kansas, you know that Kansas is not flat. The terrain is very challenging. It is inconceivable that families with small children made that journey with lasted months. I quote, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail, unquote. When we sat with the Gala elders in 1986 to write down all the future plans of this institution, we did not have the internet, net, the internet network established, but we planned and prayed for the future tools necessary to promote the vision of this noble concept and used this time carefully to deliberate all of the essentials that have all come into fruition. We only had a wheel and we were determined to cross the terrain and work with our small group of families to make a positive impact. The Gala Foundation is very much like that depiction of a long and winding wagon train that has crossed over cold winters in the wilderness and has endured the hot deserts. The Gala Foundation equates each of their websites as part of that wagon train that continues to trek over the mountains and endless valleys to provide inspiration and encouragement to press on in life's journey till we reach the golden shore. Our life is an endless journey. It is like a broad highway that extends infinitely into the distance. The practice of meditation provides a vehicle to travel on that road. Our journey consists of constant ups and downs. Now, during the years 1850 to 1890, there was a tremendous trek westwards across the plains from the eastern United States to the far west as folks looked for new homes in that magnificent territory. I want you to imagine that a young bridegroom has gone out west to prepare a home for himself and his bride. And in due course, he is going to receive her. This is an, an analogy of Jesus going to prepare a place to receive his bride, the church. The bride stays in New York for some time getting ready and then she joins a wagon train going west. It's rather a mixed wagon train with all kinds of people in it. But the only way to cross that area is in such company. Her bridegroom has sent her a letter from a way out west, but the letter doesn't arrive in time to meet her as she sets off. It reaches her after she has begun her journey and has begun experienced 
or experiencing a few skirmishes with Red Indians in the Great Lakes area. She finds that her letter has been opened. Those responsible in the camp have examined it, but not being able to understand much of it because it is written in code, they let her have it. As soon as camp is formed for the night and she can get away into her covered wagon, she lights the paraffin lamp and reads her beloved's letter. How her heart thrills to the glorious description of him on the opening page. And there are some very straight words of exhortation to her. How she is to behave and keep herself pure. And she takes all that to heart, for she realizes that there are many temptations as well as dangers on this journey. But then she comes to a section of the letter which absolutely bewilders her about beasts and horns and mountains and all kinds of horrors. It just doesn't make sense. And so she hurries through that and comes to the closing part. She's very thrilled with what she reads there. It describes the time when her beloved will meet her. He comes riding into the scene and takes her to be with himself. There is a description of the heavenly home and the glories that will follow. She is thrilled with her letter and puts it away with a thankful heart. At the earliest opportunity next time they have formed camp, the wagons drawn into a ring. She gets away and looks into her letter again and it puzzles her. All that middle section, whoever is this woman in scarlet, whatever is that terrible beast, I hope I don't meet him, she thinks. Day after day, she puzzles over the letter and becomes more and more separated from the rest of the camp. They wonder whatever is happening to her until someone says, look here. There are a couple of Jesuit priests in the camp. Why don't you go to one of them and tell him what's troubling you? She says, thank you, I'll, just do, I'll do just that. She goes across to meet one of the Jesuit priests. He says he's been waiting for her to come to him as he's seen that she's very troubled and asks, what is it that she wants to say? Well, she says, it's like this. I have a letter. You'd better give me your whole confession, he says. Then I can put you right. Oh, no, she replies. It's not that. It's a letter from my husband. It's a beautiful letter, but the middle part puzzles me so badly I can't make head of tail of it. He says, my dear, I know your husband quite well, and the leader of our whole party knows him very well. He's one of his closest friends. So let me have a look at your letter. I'll be able to explain it to you. So this Jesuit, whose name happens to be Alcazar, he's a Spaniard, and he takes the letter and looks at it. In due course, he comes back to her and tells her there's nothing to worry about her husband was writing about the skirmishes with the Red Indians that took place just as they were leaving New York. Only the letter didn't reach her in time. When she requests her letter back, the priest replies, well, I don't think it's good for you. It's obviously been making you ill, and it is with great difficulty that she finally gets it back with half a promise not to read it anymore. But still, she is not content. 
she thinks, what on earth did my beloved write this long letter to me for? If it was all about those few little fights with Indians that we had that at the beginning of our journey. Eventually, she goes to the other Jesuit priest, whose name is Ribera, and tells him the story, and he again offers to hear her confession. She explains about her letter and how the other priest said it covered things, which had already happened. And she gives her reasons why she doesn't feel that a sensible, that is a sensible explanation. He takes her letter, and when in due course he returns, he tells her that the middle part is all about the future. After her husband has met her and taken her away, he says, you'll be raptured. I know it's not written plainly in the letter. But then, of course, it's one of those letters. You'll be caught away before any of these things happen. But what about the great beast that comes out of the sea, she says. You'll never see him. He lives in a lake on the far side of the Rocky Mountains. Now come along and enjoy yourself with the rest of us. So she thanks him and accepts this very reasonable explanation, especially on such strong authority, and presently joins the fun. There is a magnificent woman in scarlet there who introduces her to the leader of the group, who has been longing to meet her. They have some grand parties together and soon she's in the thick of the fun and wondering why she ever moped away trying to understand that letter when it didn't really concern her at all. She gradually forgets the promises that she made to her beloved. They fade into the background. She becomes more and more enamored with the leader of the party. He tells her about her husband and says, in fact, I'm his very best friend. I know all his secrets and I'm here operating on his behalf so you can trust me. And so she does trust him until one night after the revelry, she's almost seduced and flees shaken and in tears. She rushes out to the perimeter of the camp and sees against the skyline two men keeping guard. She watches them for some time and then they see her and drawing near, they say, you should be back in camp, you know. It's not safe for you to be out here. She says she can't go back as she can't trust anybody. The guards replied, you must go back. Your husband told you to go this way and you just have to go. But I don't know what to do. Can you help me? It's my husband's letter that puzzles me. Well, they say, I dare that we could explain that letter to you. We know your husband well and we promise to keep guard of this camp and look after you. But wouldn't it be better if you found out the meaning for yourself? If we explain to you, you may not believe us. Have you got any of your husband's old letters? Yes, she says, a whole bundle full. Right, reread your husband's old letters and look for the clues. And we think you'll find the meaning of this one you're holding. Read them, Genesis to Jude, the old letters, the clues are all there. So she goes back, thanking them, keeping herself separate from the revelries of the camp, especially from that scarlet woman. She looks in the old letters and begins to find clue after clue. She looks again at her husband's letter, and it begins to make sense. She realizes that the very people who deceived and almost seduced her were written about in the letter 
and she failed to recognize it. From then on, she begins to notice the terrain as they cross a river, as they reach a mountain, as they meet a dangerous party of Indians, and she looks in the letter, and these are fitting into place one after another. Every day you make progress. Every step may be fruitful. Yet there will stretch out before you an ever-lengthening, ever-ascending, ever-improving path. You know you will never get to the end of the journey. But this so far from discouraging only adds to the joy and the glory of the climb. Oh, the excitement of it. She's getting near the end of the journey. She can keep herself pure now as she looks at the letter and watches events as they pass by so rapidly. Her whole attitude has changed. She now has a new joy and assurance and feels that she is in control of the situation. She watches those two men on the exterior of the camp and signals to them happily. They can see now that she is going to endure to the end. Situations grow, grow, grow tense. The enemy is drawing in and the evil in the camp is coming to light. Disaster seems to be rushing in every hand. Suddenly over the horizon comes her beloved with a thousand cavalry, a thousand cavalry riding across the hills to her rescue to take her home. At last her troubles are over. The letter has done its work. We hope that you enjoyed this story and this last segment of the Gala Lighthouse. Until next time, this is Noel Serrano. Have a wonderful day.